0: captain. Our computer is picking up a strange signal. I don't want any baloney, magic tricks or psychological mumbo jumbo. Errors
1: in time and space.
0: But it doesn't make Greetings, Limonerds! Broadcasting to you from a location outside of time and space. This is Liminal Unlimited. I'm Kyle Thatcher.
1: I'm Jenny Thatcher.
0: And we're back from hiatus! Hey! I got a pain in my hiatus. No, dear. I lifted a heavy box and got a hiatus. No, dear. No? No. So... Uh, Today, for our return episode, we are doing a tie-in with my other podcast.
1: My other podcast. My
0: other podcast.
1: With Brad.
0: (laughs) Nosferatu's. Uh, On Nosferatu's, it's my best friend and I, my best friend Brad, and we uh, do what we've been doing since we were 10 years old. uh, And that's uh, talk about, argue about and discuss the magic of horror cinema, and scary movies, and the like. And so, uh, on this week's Nosferatu's, uh, we are discussing, talking about the uh, 1973, I think, uh, film The Exorcist, and we decided to talk about that because of uh, William Friedkin dying just this past month, um, and... Uh, coming up this month, or in October, no, in October, um, the uh, premiere of the sequel to The Exorcist, a new sequel coming out called Believer. So we thought, what a great opportunity to do a tie in, and we're going to discuss, Jenny?
1: Exorcisms.
0: That's right, exorcisms, demonic possessions, and exorcisms. Because they're tons of fun! <laughs> Yay! So, so Jenny is is our resident Catholic. <laughs> so, wh- yeah, elapsed. Elapsed Catholic.
1: I, guess, I don't know, non-practicing.
0: Sometimes, maybe Apparently. even non-believing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, from the Catholic perspective. What is demonic possession and what is exorcism?
1: So from a Catholic perspective, it's when a demon, you know, one of the legions of Satan, attaches itself to you, to your soul, tries to steal your soul, you know, makes you do bad things, you uh, speak in languages that you shouldn't understand, Um, you levitate, things like that. So you need a priest to come in and perform an exorcism, which is a ritual designed to remove this demonic attachment from you and save your soul.
0: Right, and and does the is it the the priest himself that expels the demon, or is he a conduit? It's
1: Jesus.
0: R- yes, right. That's. <laughs> the pre, the priest is that people have the misconception I think that the priest is like the person who's like supposed supposedly supposed right. to be well, he's expelling the but he is he is supposed to be the conduit for the power and authority of uh, primarily Jesus Christ secondarily the church right and forces the demon the idea being to make it so uncomfortable for the demon to stay that they choose to leave, and hopefully the person who is possessed pushes from the other end, like like moving a sofa.
1: <laughs> that? that, that. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you want to think of a demon, think of moving a sofa. You, get, you got a sofa, it's stuck in the stairwell, mm-hmm. and the possessed is pushing from the bottom end, and the priest is pulling from the top end, and they're trying to get that sofa up like at least a flight or two yeah
1: yeah that totally <laughs> works
0: <laughs> so uh jenny when uh you might know this mm-hmm. as a catholic
1: mm-hmm.
0: who went to church a lot what is considered like the first recorded exorcism
1: i don't know
0: you don't know are emily you sh- rose are you sure you don't know
1: um it uh, uh,
0: but, but who who does the first recorded exorcism I don't know Jesus, oh it's Jesus,
1: okay, I guess <laughs> it's not recorded anywhere else in the Bible before him no, are you sure
0: I'm pretty sure
1: okay, Jesus,
0: yeah, so it shows up um the, the, the record uh, shows up in the Gospel of Mark, which they believe was written probably about AD 70. Um, and it's the first recorded case of an exorcism uh, of a demonically possessed person. Um, the, the segment, it's in uh, Mark uh, 5, and it's usually referred to as the exorcism of the Gerasene demoniac or the miracle of the Gadarene swine. Apparently, uh, biblical scholars can't decide on whether they were in uh, Gerasene or Gadarene. Um, But the gospel account, we won't get too deep in the weeds, but it goes as such. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him he lived among the tombs and no one could restrain him any more even with a chain for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains but the chains he wrenched apart and the shackles he broke in pieces and no one had the strength to subdue him night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always howling and bruising himself with stones when he saw jesus from a distance he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there on the hillside a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him send us into the swine let us enter them so he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine and the herd numbering about 2000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea
1: Aww. Poor pigs yeah.
0: yeah jesus was like yeah you can totally go <laughs> kill those pigs <laughs> <laughs> Bye, pigs. But yeah, so that's that's considered the template for Catholic exorcism.
1: They don't use pigs, though. They Usually. Don't. I mean, in that movie, there was
0: a pig. Yeah, if you saw the Pope's exorcist. <laughs> Maybe he, they do. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, am he, he supposedly gets the demon to jump into a pig, and then they blow the pig's brains out. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so this, this sets the template, because they, they talk about at least two of the primary features, which we'll get into, but two of the primary features of uh, demonic possession and exorcisms. One is feats of amazing strength. The fact that this this demon-possessed individual was supposed to be able to rend shackles and break chains, and no one, no number of men could seem to be able to subdue him. And then the other thing that it establishes is to get the name of the possessing spirit Mm -hmm. and thereby being able to, in some way, command it or expel it or otherwise. And
1: these demons are so dumb, y'all. They tell them their name.
0: (laughs) It's the idea that Jesus compels them to give them Uh, their name, which uh, is what the priest does. He says, yeah, in the name of Jesus, tell me your name. You know. So, uh, yeah
1: Interesting
0: Yeah So now, I mean uh, Do you know what the two types of dem- Demonic activity Are mm, Probably Probably, perhaps Yeah maybe. What? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Well, one is the Physical. one that <laughs> Well they spiritual
1: can,
0: they talk about ordinary pea soup and extraordinary uh okay there's just like your ordinary demons ordinary. your basic bitch basic. demons <laughs> they just want to get their hair her done get their nails did <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and they uh You're so
1: ordinary
0: so ordinary would be like what classically everybody says like the the job of the devil or the demonic is, and that's to tempt you. The idea of, you you know, you imagine the whispering in your ear, like, hey, go over and tell that old lady she's a fat sack of shit. <laughs> you know? Stuff like that. You know, oh, the devil made me do it. Oh, the devil, you know. Temptation. But the extraordinary stuff, that's the stuff that we deal with when we deal with demonic possession.
1: So I just have ordinary demons. <laughs> yes.
0: what you're saying? Yes, you just okay. have ordinary... Demonic activity. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, Jenny, go buy that Halloween decoration right now. Oh, you <laughs> so bad. Decoration, decorations. I'll <laughs> do it, Master. <laughs> <laughs> Must have decorations. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, basically, the extraordinary it deals with the the path to possession. So, when you, have you ever heard of the, like, the levels of, like, the steps that it takes for a possession to happen? I think so. Okay. What, what, what do you think they are?
1: <laughs> uh, well, first you meet the demon. <laughs> well, maybe for drinks. Get to know each other a little
0: bit. Yeah, you, you have a meet cute. <laughs> You're walking down the street carrying a bundle of groceries. <laughs> And the demon comes from around the other corner and he's on his cell phone. And you bang into each other and somehow you end up with his cell phone in your purse and he ends up with a loaf of bread. And yeah, and it goes from there. And they're like, Oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry.
1: Oh no, it's totally my fault.
0: And he's like, ah, I'm sorry too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're cute. He's
1: a little rough around the edges.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that my vomit? Uh. <laughs> so, so there are, there are four levels on the path to possession.
1: Ordinary, extraordinary.
0: No, this is super no. Duper. These are all. On, <laughs> oh, this is different. And and the turbo. <laughs> <laughs> if you get to turbo, you're in you're trouble. Fucked. Yeah, you're in real trouble. You're you're on the the precipice of hell. <laughs> um, no, there's uh, under extraordinary. There's four levels. So the first level would be infestation, a demonic infestation. Ew. Um, like they're cockroaches. Okay. But you can't call the Orkin man. Unless his name is Father Stephen Orkin. <laughs> so infestation is just the presence of the de- of demonic activity in a location or an object. This is like classic haunted house phenomena. So what do you think of when you think of like that kind of phenomena, haunted house stuff?
1: Knocking. Right. Voices. Cold spots. Things moving scratches
0: maybe yeah and one of the big things that we hear a lot is um foul odors mm-hmm. people describe uh, just all of a sudden a room will fill with the odors of the odor of rotten eggs or you um hear like um rotten meat like if you ever like you know smell your garbage
1: i think we might have a demon <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> it's always preceded by a, a strange knocking from Kyle's rear end
1: <laughs> Lovely.
0: <laughs> and um, Or even some people say like literally straight up like a dead body They smell what smells like death mm. um, But yeah, room suddenly feels cold, cold spots I said that Oh yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And objects r- disappearing and reappearing mm. in other locations um, they also might have electrical or electronic malfunctions. Um, yeah. So then, um, and, and for anybody that wants to, if you want to hear kind of a, a, a good description of like an infestation moving into like an oppression, um, Jenny's brother and his wife, Shanna, Shanna, it's Shanna's show, The Well House Exorcism. Um, you've heard us talk about it before on here. We've appeared... ...on their show a couple of times. And if, so if you want to hear their story of the things that happened in their house... ...I would go check out like their uh, episodes 2 and 3, I think, deal mainly with their house experiences... ...having uh, mm-hmm. what was believed to be an infestation. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, so the second step would be oppression. Uh, there's, uh, what, what do you think happens in the oppression phase, honey?
1: Um, low mood. Uh, Might be acting differently, more subdued, or angry, or irritable, depressed, kind of acting weird.
0: Actually, you're completely wrong on all counts. What the oppression is when things get physical?
1: Are you kidding me?
0: No, Uh, physical blows or scratches, being pushed down the stairs, dragged (gasps) out of bed. This, Uh, and the purpose is to drive people to isolation and despair. And to lose faith.
1: Yeah, that's what I meant.
0: <laughs> the third level is obsession. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> obsession by Calvin Klein. <laughs> Go ahead, spray it on. It won't hurt you. Just a scratch or two. <laughs> um, now, so obsession is actually, um, some people would call it demonic temptation so even though demons are the ones tempting you in the ordinary thing this is like were this is like this is like um uh like you get a biggie fry this is like a biggie temptation
1: why are you so obsessed with me demon <laughs> God.
0: and that's a persistent attack on the mind or psyche intrusive thoughts of high intensity mental domination causes the victim to question their sanity. They may feel compelled to harm others, or that only by making a pact with the demon can they be saved. And they also uh, start to develop possibly suicidal ideations. They just want it to stop. And the last step is the actual possession itself. Hmm. Um, there's uh, this, and a simple possession like would be an involuntary possession. They would call it. Um now they actually the literature that I read I I I read uh, most of this information I got from the book The Right: The Making of a Modern Exorcist by Matt Baglio and uh it talks about how possessions actual possessions are actually like the rarest cases um the demon or the devil yeah you know, cuz so many of these people say oh it's Lucifer or Satan that's possessing them, uh, takes temporary control of the person's body. It is not indefinite. Uh, it tends to happen predominantly in times of crisis where the victim enters like a trance state. So the person can walk around all day, go to their job, act normal, um, but they, might be ha- they may be hearing some things, experiencing some strange things. They have kind of this weight over them, Um, but for the most part it's like normal stuff and then something will happen let's say they have a minor fender bender or they realize they get to the store and they forgot their credit card at home and they can't pay for their food or something like something puts them into a a bit of a crisis state and it's as if all of a sudden they blank over trance out and then the demon takes over it can take the form of bodily contortions that defy explanation, unnatural strength, knowledge of hidden things or secrets, secrets. things that the person shouldn't know, uh, the ability to speak languages that are unknown to the possessed. Bonjour. Allo. <laughs> oh la la. I am the demon. <laughs> I am here Comment to. Sera? I'm going to hit you with this baguette. <laughs> And then we're going to drink wine. (laughs) Look, I am a 10-year-old possessed person drinking wine.
1: (laughs) Oh, my
0: God. The voice of the demon replacing the afflicted person's voice uh, can also coincide with appearances of strange or unknown animals. Um, The soul of the individual is not possessed so that it's not in the person's soul they haven't completely taken them over it's only the body uh, is involuntarily possessed Um, but there is considered by some a thing called perfect possession which is where a person willingly invites the demonic spirit to possess them and the presence within the soul of the person the, this invading spirit—it's—it's it's a complete presence. The person, the demon, become one. The person is constantly possessed, and it's basically like the demon is just walking the earth wearing a person's skin,
1: like an egg suit.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> sugar, water.
1: He's possessed. All he wants is sugar water. <laughs> Damn it, Daryl, I told you not to mess with the Ouija.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so what do you think about all that, honey?
1: I think, if demons are real, they're super lame. (laughs) I mean, seriously, you're like an immortal being fairly powerful I guess and like your entire existence is just dedicated to like making people grumpy and like throwing things to scare them like I would as a demon if I were a demon I would be embarrassed to be like go up to my demon friends and be like oh my god you guys you'll never guess what I did I poked him (laughs) <laughs> oh, you should have seen him jump. I'm such a big, bad, scary demon. It's lame. If
0: you were a demon.
1: <laughs> if, if I was a demon.
0: <laughs> I'm talking to the thing inside Jenny right now.
1: Bonjour. Hello, ça Ooh la la. Anyway, but like, dude, get a hobby. You know, you've got all of eternity. You, like, really, yeah, making a 10-year-old kid wet the bed like wow does that make you feel big and powerful (laughs) like come on (laughs) (sighs) anyway that's just my take i don't know if they're real or not i don't know you know a lot of the cases i think it's probably a psychological issue but then there's some crazy stories out there so who knows but i'm just saying demons are lame
0: (laughs) now um what do you what do you think are some of the ways that, um, or at least the ways that you've heard that um, people get possessed? they like activities that they say, "Oh, you shouldn't take part in. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that."
1: Sex orgies.
0: <laughs> well, that's yeah. I mean, a, yeah, a life of sin. They Using say. Ouija board. Yep, yep. Doing uh, seances. Opening a
1: portal. Sacrificing. Animals to Satan? Yeah, yeah, I mean.
0: occult activity. <laughs> um, they, you know, they talk about demon pacts. You know, if you if you go back to like the witchcraft craze, you know, the, there's still people now that believe that you know witches are out there making demonic pacts and everything. Um, That's but so lame. also, um, there's people that believe that you can be cursed, that someone could put a curse mm-hmm. on you and attach a demon. To you, or even more so, curse an object and give that object to someone that then infests their home with a demonic presence. Um,
1: Sneaky.
0: Yeah, I don't know about all that. I played with a Ouija board. We've talked about that on the show. I don't think I'm demonically possessed. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I kind of wouldn't mind a little excitement, I'm not inviting anything but <laughs> but I think my life would be more exciting than it is you know if you now if I was possessed yeah. that's what I'm trying to say um no i would not I would not welcome that though um yeah, so I mean that you know that you people who take uh practice seances uh mediums new agey stuff you know um and, and of course there was you know the the rise of Satanism in the 60s, you know, they had the Church of Satan, so that scared the crap out of everybody. And then, that then eventually folds into the Satanic Panic of the 80s, mm-hmm. and everybody thought, you know, teenagers around the world, or across America at least, were like, you know, sneaking out, getting Orange Juliuses down at their <laughs> local mall, and then going out in the woods, and sacrificing dogs and cats, <laughs> you know, making deals with Satan. Yeah. Um, which we know... Most of this isn't true. However, um, as we learned with the Bridgewater Triangle there, uh, this is the, and this is one of the things I, that I do uh, kind of, it's a codicil that I put out there when I, when I do talk to people about this kind of stuff and these discussions come up, I say, look, I may not believe Strictly in, you know, the popular conception of demonic possessions and exorcisms and all this kind of stuff. I may not believe in satanic power and all this
1: mumbo-jumbo.
0: But that doesn't mean there aren't people out there who do. Mm -hmm. And who will do crazy things, dangerous things, things that could harm others... In pursuit of what they believe to be true. Amen. You know, it's just like with voodoo. I may not believe in voodoo. I may not believe in Santeria. but
1: I ain't got no crystal ball. (laughs)
0: Jesus. (laughs) But the people out there doing the stuff, you know, that doesn't preclude them from believing it works and trying to make it work. On someone else.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So you got to kind of be careful about what you dabble in and who you choose to pal around with while you're dabbling in that stuff. Because there are some people out there that are going to so deeply believe it, they're going to want to make it real. Mm -hmm. And make things happen when they don't happen because you cast a spell. So, yeah, that's my my little warning, my little (laughs) brand warning label. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, to, to kind of round out this portion of it, because we're talking about, um, specifically possessions and exor- you know, kind of getting the, the groundwork laid. Um, there are two types of exorcisms. There's a simple exorcism and a major exorcism. Oh, I
1: thought it was cardio and strength training.
0: <laughs> That's the lamest joke you've ever told. <laughs> and yet you're laughing. <laughs> I'm a sucker. You are. So, uh, honey, again, as a Catholic, do you know what a simple exorcism would be? I think Lucy I think Lucy Damon? needs a <laughs> A simple exorcism.
1: <laughs> so, a simple exorcism, isn't that when you, like, renounce Satan and renew your baptismal vows? So it's baptism. Baptism. Yeah,
0: at the time yeah. of baptism, and for people who are present during a baptism, you know, the priest asks those people if they renounce Satan and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But, yeah, baptism is a simple exorcism. By baptizing the baby... They're making sure that the baby is free of any demonic presence or influences. Which, of course it is, because it's a baby. (laughs) But then there's the major exorcism, which is what you see in the movies. The solemn rite of exorcism as performed by a priest with the permission of his bishop. That's like a big deal. they got to have permission of the bishop or else the full authority, which is one of these kind of... Rules that I'm not sure When this started (laughs) All of a sudden it's a rule Like well if the bishop doesn't say it's okay Then it don't count (laughs) And you're not really doing an exorcism And somehow there's not any authority there Um but That's
1: what the bishop said about my first marriage
0: But it's Catholics so (laughs) Why do they do what they do We don't know So honey Dear Um is there anything you would like to bring up before we move further into this?
1: Um, Well, one interesting thing that I was just, you know, reading through Reddit stories and things like that, and there aren't really a whole lot about exorcisms, surprisingly, but something I didn't really think about is that other cultures have their own version of exorcisms. It may not, you know, be... Quite the same thing as like the Catholic idea of possession and exorcism, but like there's you know, Hindu exorcism, Muslim, Native American, you know, all kinds of different cultures have some rituals or ways of ridding some attachment from you. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, it is odd to me, as much as I don't believe in necessarily the classic conception of demonic possession and exorcism as is portrayed in many of the horror movies, which is something that Brad and I discussed on our show, which, uh, you know, Brad asked me at some point, he's like, do you, you know, really believe in this stuff? And I said, uh, do I believe in the possibility of invading or possessing spirits? Um, I said, well, because I believe in possibilities, I believe that I don't know everything. And so, I say, sure, maybe that's possible. Um, do I think it happens all the time? Uh, or it is what people think it is? No. Um, I tend not to believe that. I And we'll get more into that as we move through the discussion. But, um, but yeah, I think that what you see in most horror films is... Uh, most of it's from a catholic perspective mm-hmm. because they're the only ones that have like a a truly airtight ritual right. around it so mm-hmm. it makes it very easy to structure it for storytelling mm-hmm. and there's a they have a what they consider a documented progression of events that lead up to possession and then an exorcism so it's almost like catholic exorcism is built for nar- a narrative format
1: mm-hmm, right?
0: whereas other forms of spirit expulsion let's call it aren't really formatted necessarily the best for storytelling because they're kind of more ambiguous and and uh, nascent and they kind of th- it can be different depending on who you're doing it with and and all this kind of stuff, and even especially in like, um, you know, what would be considered like magical arts practitioners, like when, you know, Santeria exorcisms or Voodoo, where actually in those uh, in those disciplines, cultures, um, possession is welcomed in some cases. Hmm. During during some Voodoo rituals and some Santeria rituals, right. they invite the spirit. Of a certain deity or saint or whatever it is to come into them and take them over to do the magical workings. You know, that it's like they allow themselves to become a conduit for these other entities to perform the ritual to complete it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get kind of different things there, but... Catholic exorcism is like okay you, let's literally buy the book here's the ritual this is how you right. do it and there's a clear progression
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so yeah so but we'll get more into you know what I really what I think if it's a thing what I think is would be going on there um, so let's talk about like what real world stuff you know we always talk about like in the catholic church they do have in place a a certain system where they have to do certain things before an exorcism is allowed and so what what kind of things do they have to to do
1: well first they want to make sure that the, it isn't a psychological issue or a medical issue, so there's psychological exams, medical exams you know, make sure there isn't anything explainable going on, right?
0: Right, right. They they'll they'll take into account does this person have a history of mental illness? Does this person have a physiological Issue that could be causing this kind of stuff, right. um, you know, because you have things like I mean, right away, you know, they always want to know: is this a schizophrenia problem? Is this like a manic, manic depression problem, bipolar disorder? There are there are a few uh, mental illnesses or chemical imbalances that can cause someone to see or hear things that aren't really there. Um, Also, biologically, the person could have epilepsy. They could have an epileptic seizure disorder. Um, You know, it could be uh, temporal lobe oriented, which they know can cause uh, experiences of hallucination and even experiences of the feeling of presence. Um, You know, do they have a a dissociative disorder? dissociative identity disorder or do they they dissociate a lot do they do they go into uh, strange you know trance states because of some some other medical issue
1: i um found this article new york post article by Susanna callahan from 2009 uh my mysterious lost month of madness um So it starts, it was a cold March day as I walked to work from my Hell's Kitchen studio. The weather was clear, people were out in their coats and scarves, but something did not feel right. The sky was so blue it hurt my eyes. The billboards in Times Square assaulted me with violent reds, yellows, and purples. It was like the world had become brighter, louder, more painful. When I got to the Midtown newsroom of the New York Post, where I was a year into my first full-time reporting job, I asked a friend, have you ever felt not like yourself? Have you ever felt completely off? Sure, she laughed. Of course, I hardly ever feel like myself. I laughed, too, but inside I worried. Lately, there have been more and more days like this. I had started to feel numb on the left side of my body, my arm and leg on that side tingled. Um, and, you know, she just goes on. Um, one Friday at work, she cracked. I just finished an interview, was starting to write, and for no reason I began crying hysterically. Coworkers gathered, wondering what was wrong. Moments later, I brushed it off and skipped down an office hall, giddy with excitement. Later at home, I panicked. Was I going mad? Was I mentally ill? Uh, and then she started having seizures and like basically a lot of the symptoms that, you know, you see in these scary movies about possession. Then eventually uh, she had erratic behavior. She refused to sleep, started banging on the locked door, screaming, get me out of here. I imagined that my father had murdered his wife. Um. Just like going further and further, you know, down the spiral and they can't find out what's wrong with her. And turns out she had this autoimmune disease that (laughs) created this whole thing that made her act like a completely different person, like physically and mentally. And then they finally were able to get it under control, but she lost like a month of her life to this. But back in, you know, the old days, I mean, even her, like it took a month before they figured this out. How many people are out there? Like, you know, talking to demons, walking down the street, and there's really something medically wrong with them. Or And then back in the day, these people, they wouldn't have a cure for these illnesses, so of course you'd think they're possessed by demons. I mean, they, they're acting completely outside of their character, and there's no explanation for it.
0: Right, and that's something that, you know, everybody uh, you know would immediately think of, well, is she schizophrenic? Is she bipolar? Mm-hmm. Is does she have a brain tumor? Things like that. Um, you wouldn't think to ask about autoimmune. Right. That's something that even a priest might not right think about. You yeah. know, going and consulting think with about a
1: brain tumor, a or
0: doctor, and you know, illness. so they may say, oh, "Well, she doesn't have a brain tumor. She doesn't have schizophrenia. She doesn't have bipolar disorder." So you know, maybe it's a possession. Um, but here, you know, she's got an autoimmune disease. You know, yep. so there and the Catholic Church became careful because they weren't very careful, you know, however many decades or whatever back. Mm-hmm. And they were doing uh, exorcisms for people that really had, you know, mental illnesses and things. So they had to kind of become careful. Um, and so now they they tend to put people through a, a rigorous process. Um, I know PJ and Shanna, if you listen to their podcast. They talked about, they had uh, very long questionnaires that mm-hmm. they were given by the church um, before the exorcism would be performed. And they had, and it was like very, very um, what most people would consider invasive questions mm-hmm. deep into like your personal life, your life as a married couple, and all these things, you know, and talking it's about
1: not creepy at all, deep
0: stuff. And even then, they had to actually be questioned about the answers to the questions. <laughs> yeah. You know, so then there was an interview that happened, um, and based upon what they, how they responded in the interview, that would be the basis for whether or not the exorcism would be done. And this was just on a house. <laughs> yeah. This didn't even involve a person being possessed. This was they just believed that they had a presence. In their house and it had escalated to the point of you know Shanna being pushed down the stairs as I said if you listen to their podcast you'll hear the full story um we suggest that if you want to hear a story about um you know a a house infestation and an exorcism definitely go listen to those episodes um but yeah, so it was, it was a long process before they actually got to the point where two priests show up at their door and actually mm-hmm. come in and do the exorcism. So yeah, but there are people in the medical community. Um, there are, there's been a movement, and you even see it, it's as early as in The Exorcist in 1973, in that film, the medical doctors, went at a loss to be able to explain Reagan McNeil's symptoms, um, they ask the mother, Chris McNeil, have you ever considered an exorcism? And she looks at them like, what, what are we talking about here? Like, I brought her here so you could tell me what was wrong with her. And they were like, well, we haven't been able to find anything physiologically wrong. But is it possible that by performing this ritual, would it convince Regan that she can be free of whatever psychological issue is causing Mm -hmm. these behaviors? So there are some psychologists and psychiatrists, not a whole bunch, you don't hear this all the time, but there are some that think that because in some extreme cases, exorcism has efficacy, all of a sudden the person you have Anecdotal stories where they were like this before the exorcism, the exorcism happened, and then they never had an issue ever again after that. Mm -hmm. They say, obviously, it had some psychological benefit to that person that then allowed them to move on in a healthy way. Um, But that's at most what you'll get from the medical community about concepts of possession or exorcism. Before we get into some stories... Yeah, Before right before we get into some stories, I have one more thing about um, the purported. Now, this isn't like an official Catholic description, although I have heard it a few times from a few different sources. I believe I couldn't find my copy of Hostage to the Devil by Malachi Martin, the former priest. Um, but uh, I believe this is one of the things that he discussed when he would talk about performing exorcisms which he claimed to have performed you know hundreds of them um, and just wrote about some of the more extreme cases in his book Um, but there's stages to the exorcism right now obviously if you watch any of the movies you kind of all know what they do you know first they do like the prayer to the archangel michael and all the saints and and the whole bit kind of asking for intercession asking for help and then they, they go through and start to do the, the abjuration where they're like abjuring the demon and, you know, saying, you know, you're horrible and you're doing this horrible thing to this person. And then at some point they ask for their name. And if they get the name, then next thing you know, they're commanding it to leave and then it leaves. And great. Everybody's happy. Um, but Malachi Martin and some others have outlined the stages of an exorcism. And there are six six stages first is the presence so this is where the invading spirit reveals itself directly or indirectly by some sign um now that could be as simple as something moving in the room and that's like oh we know oh oh now we know now we know it's here oh my god you
1: guys did you see that
0: (laughs) OMG, you guys. Um, That's the priest. (laughs) OMG, you guys. Did you see that? Oh, my God. Like, I never thought when I gave up surfing (laughs) and became a priest that I would see this. (laughs) Whoa. Or, you know, they might, you know, speak in a different voice or say something weird or mention that they know something about someone that they shouldn't. Then... uh there's the what they call the pretense and that's where the invading spirit attempts to dissuade the exorcist by imitating the possessed to convince them that oh i'm okay i'm Mm -hmm. you know so it's like there's like it's as if whatever the priest does initially they can't help but somehow reveal that they're in there but then they're like no 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 -hmm. hey hey that that prayer you just did (laughs) oh my god that worked Oh my God! I'm so, I feel so much better. Thank you so much, <laughs> Father Father So and So.
1: No way, dude.
0: <laughs> Fa- yeah, Father Gary, Father Gary, that totally worked. Hey, you ain't fooling Gary, bro. <laughs> I've heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, the, as the priest pushes further, not not buying into you know and that's kind of the classic scene that you get where they're like you know. Um, Taking the example of The Exorcist, that's where you know Lancaster Marin tells Father Karras, like you know, whatever it says, don't believe it. <laughs> you know, but
1: then they always it's believe a liar. It.
0: Oh yeah, They always believe it. They always believe it. You know, Mom, to, is that you? to create drama, they always the <laughs> yeah the young priest always falls for it. Like they start untying the person. Like no, they're okay now. <laughs> what are you talking about? Don't don't untie it. Don't untie <laughs> it. Don't try, just tell Oh my god. <laughs> bro you're fucking this up bro (laughs) get the restraints back on her man (laughs) man you you almost totally boned this exorcism bro like you need to leave i don't normally ask people to leave bro you need to leave (laughs) you need to you need to feel the room bro (laughs) So then, there's the the break point. So as the priest pushes further, point the in- break. <laughs> yeah. hey, we're at the More point break, me. bro. <laughs> Some people call it break point. Father Gary calls it point, point break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's um, yeah. The the invading spirit will begin to violently resist. So that's where you you see in the films. You get like the the bed shaking and it's like the person's like pulling at the restraints and fighting with whoever's trying to hold them down and um the it the 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 demon doesn't want you to go any further um then they have what's called the voice and that is (laughs) yeah that is where miley cyrus turns (laughs) around in a chair in the room you didn't know she was there You didn't know she was there. She turns around in the chair and she's like, oh, my God, that was amazing.
1: (laughs) Miley Cyrus, if you're listening, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) When you told him his mother sucks cocks in hell. Oh, my God. (laughs) I I have to have you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, but no, it's actually uh, there's a brief calm as the spirit speaks through the subject directly to the exorcist. So that's the point where you get like the real voice of the demon, like it's 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 revealing itself by directly confronting the exorcist with its with its voice if it had a voice box. Then there's the clash, which is not the cool uh-huh. British band. Um, <laughs> yeah. Miley Cyrus goes, and look, the clash is here <laughs> to help with the coaching. Um, now this is where the spirit lashes out as the exorcist directly confronts it. And, this is supposed to be the point where... The Clash is actually like where it's supposed to be like kind of on the ropes. So you're getting like the most activity and the most... You know, things are flying around the room and vomit's spewing out and her head's spinning around and all that kind of stuff. And um, this is where the Exorcist has the best chance of extracting the spirit's name. And just to kind of like take like a step back from that, the whole name thing, I never thought it was like super weird. Um, I thought it was just like, oh, that's just like part of what they, you know, you see in all these movies they are always like, what's your name? You know? And I think in the ritual, it's like, tell me your name and the, the exact time of your departing, you know, and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Like, when do you intend to leave this person and all this kind of stuff. And... I ended up, as I did reading later on in life, it's actually like an old magical concept Mm -hmm. that bled its way into the Catholic exorcism rite. And it is part of, you know, Jesus asks for the name of the demon possessing, you know, the the, the demoniac in the book of Mark. Um, But even that moment that it goes back to this older magical concept that if you have the true name of something that you have power over it um there's there's a wonderful documentary uh from the 1980s called warlock (laughs) (laughs) starring julian sands r.i.p and um richard grant and It's about a warlock that travels forward in time and the witch hunter that travels forward in time with him to hunt him down. And in that, the whole kind of concept of that film, and that's what actually started me like when I eventually read about what this is all about. um, In that movie, the warlock's whole purpose is trying to obtain an old document that supposedly contains the true name of God. Um, You know, because as famously, you know, Yahweh is supposed to just mean I am. Um, But this thing that he's looking for has the true name of God. And the idea being that if someone were to know God's true original name, that they would be able to have power over God and be able to command him to unmake creation.
1: That's lame. That's like the lamest thing I've ever heard.
0: It's a horror movie. What do you want? So, but that... But I
1: mean even the whole name thing. Like well, that yeah. you have power over something because you know it's name. Like, I'm lame. It's... About, what is a name? What is a name?
0: It's a magical thing. I mean... I mean, why like... don't you ask but T.S. Eliot with the cat stuff? Right. You know, cats have a true name that no one can know, right? Well, that's right? what he
1: said, but what did he know? <laughs>
0: So the idea being that if the if the priest is able to use the authority of Jesus and the church to uh and if the ritual is kind of torturous enough to the demon that he can convince it to give up that that um that precious commodity of its name then he will then be able to call it by its name and command it to leave.
1: Why wouldn't it give a fake name?
0: Cuz it's being be compelled like... by Jesus, honey. But
1: before that, just be like, oh, hey, my name's Fred. Nice to meet you. How would the priest even know that its name wasn't Fred?
0: Because you can't start with, like, it's not, that's the idea. It's not just going to cough it up. You're not going to, like, st- start to say, well, like, put on
1: a little bit of a performance.
0: St. Michael demon, the Archangel, defend say. us in battle. Hey, my name's Fred. My name's Fred. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to, don't. No, my name's a- Fred. I'll leave. No. Bye. Give, it, give it a little oh. bit of. A- <sighs> it's <just>
1: stupid. Stupid.
0: <laughs> oh my god! When you said your name was Fred, <laughs> I knew I had to have you on my team, <laughs> bro. I know you're joking and faking right now, bro. You're so two-faced; it's obvious, bro. <laughs> So, anyway... So, once they get the name, they're able to command it to leave, and that's when you get the expulsion. Say my name, say my name. (laughs) Jeez. So, they command the enemy by name. The exorcist uh, exhorts the spirit to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. There's usually extreme convulsions, followed by calm and exhaustion of the possessed. Um... And then I've heard in a lot of these stories uh, that the room uh, tends to take on a pleasant fragrance after the demonic spirit has been forced to leave. Um, A lot of times people report that they smell roses in the room. And a lot of people consider that as a sign from Mary that it actually is gone, Mm -hmm. that that it worked. So that's... That's the exorcism in a nutshell.
1: Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'd also like to say, I think the whole idea of possession in general is lame and stupid. Like, <laughs> that we're just pawns in this eternal pissing match between, like, God and Satan. And then Satan's like, Ooh, I made Tommy rob a bank today. Like... Now he's going to hell forever, and God's like, oh no, how did I let that happen? Like, it's so stupid. <laughs> Get a life.
0: Well, there are actually people who um, believe, some some Christians, Catholics, they believe that, that because things don't happen for no reason, and, and God wouldn't allow horrible things to happen without a purpose, that there must be some reason why he's allowing this yeah, demon bullshit. to possess this person.
1: Bull a shit. It's
0: either it's either to teach that person a lesson or test their faith or to test the faith of someone else that's no. close to them. So that's a
1: stupid lame reason. Well. That's a stupid lame reason to fuck with people that you love. <laughs> it's so stupid. Stupid. But anyway. <laughs> and also Also, people use demons or evil, you know, to like explain or excuse like horrible things that human beings do. And it's like, no, that person is not possessed. That's just a human being a horrible human doing bad stuff. It's not because of evil or Satan whispering in his ear. It's because they chose to do that.
0: Well, that's actually—it's uh, very reminiscent of the um, the Ed and Lorraine Warren case that became the the most recent conjuring film. Literally, the devil made me do it, mm-hmm. you know, and and that was the court case—the devil made me do it court case, where uh, this guy stabbed somebody and claimed that at the time he was demonically possessed.
1: Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> He was not. If demons could do this shit, first of all, there'd be more people getting stabbed. And then, like, you don't just hear people, like, like wouldn't they kill people? Or, like, you don't hear about people just kind they of... They do. <laughs> I guess how would we know if all those people that die of heart attacks in their sleep weren't killed by a demon? But, like, wouldn't you want to advertise it so people know, hey, I can kill you? Like, they can't. It... It's stupid.
0: It'd be a it's great, lame. it'd be a great explanation for why they're, they're always in, on these ghost hunting shows, they're always going into prisons and finding <laughs> demonic spirits. Cause mm-hmm. what if a lot of those guys were demonically possessed when they died in prison and then the demons, and the demons just
1: stuck there because the demons what, they can't there go pr- through rocks? No,
0: they're like... looking for other people. No. They're looking for other people. It's, it, it, oh
1: God. <laughs> they need to, they need to get a hobby. Like, really? That's how you're going to spend your eternity? Just fucking with people? Like, oh, that's just... It's lame. So
0: so we mentioned grow that... Grow up. <laughs> 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 grow up, demon. Jeez. <laughs> demon Steve, you need to grow up.
1: Grow the hell up. Get over it.
0: I know your name's not Fred, Steve. <laughs> so... So let's get into some actual uh, supposed cases. Um, I'll I'll read this one first, and then we'll do the Reddit uh, some of the Reddit stuff that you found. Okay. Um, because the the case we want to talk about initially is the case that The Exorcist was based off of, specifically the book. Um, William Peter Blatty, uh, the writer of The Exorcist, he was a student. Um, I've heard him say he was probably a sophomore at Georgetown University, which is the the setting Georgetown is the setting for the book and the film. He was a student at Georgetown University and it was a um catholic based school when it was founded and so there were there was a a presence a a presence of uh the church on and around campus a lot of the time and Um, He heard a story that was commonly told and known on campus, because supposedly two of the priests involved in it had been um, sort of stationed at Georgetown at some point, and the story got out. Um, But he read it then in the Washington Post. Somebody retold this tale of this boy who had been possessed, um, that at the time uh, his real names come out, I'm not going to be one of those people that like calls out somebody's real name, if even if the guy's dead. For years and years and years, there was a pseudonym, because that's the way they wanted it. They wanted privacy for him and the family, so I'm going to respect that. Um, uh, the boy went was called Roland Doe in the official account, and he reads this Washington Post article about this possession and exorcism, And he's heard about it on campus. And so he starts, the process starts in his head of like, what if this really happened? Like, it's in the Washington Post. Like, what if this was a real thing that happened? What would that be like? What would that mean for like the world and for reality as we know it and all this kind of stuff? And so he started crafting the book, but he wanted to change it so that it wasn't just like a retelling of the original story. Mm -hmm. And so he added in all this, now it's a girl, and the mom's an actress, and all this kind of stuff. So, according to the official account, Roland Doe was born into a German Lutheran family. uh, And during the 1940s, the family lived in Cottage City, Maryland. Uh, He was an only child. He only had adults to play with. Like, he he really didn't have, like, um, a group of friends his age, according to the official account. The person he played with the most was his Aunt Harriet, um, when she would come to visit. And Aunt Harriet, Aunt Harriet liked to dabble. She was a spiritualist.
1: She was a dabbler.
0: And she introduced him to the use of the Ouija board. And the Ouija board, like that whole idea of seances and the Ouija board, it's believed that that's how this entity came to invade Roland's life and that's why in the Exorcist film it's Regan playing by herself because she doesn't have any friends. Uh, Her only playmate is like her mom's assistant Um, so she's by herself playing with a Ouija board while her mom is at work on the movie set. So Roland's Aunt Harriet dies and after Aunt Harriet dies the family begins hearing strange noises and they begin experiencing movement of objects in the house. They go to their pastor, a, a guy by the name of Luther Schultz, and asks him to observe. He, he actually asks, he's like, can I observe Roland overnight? And he says that while he observed him overnight, he witnessed some telekinesis stuff happening, things moving around. He tells the family, though, um, that this is out of my depth. I think you need the Catholics. Uh, so he tells them to go seek the help of a Catholic priest. So they find one priest. Roland undergoes a series of exorcisms. Uh, during one, uh, he actually slipped out of one of the restraints, ripped out a bedspring. So he literally jammed right. his hand through the bed, through the mattress, rips the bedspring out. And uses it to slash the priest's arm. And it's at that point they stop that that particular exorcism. Um, So then that priest is like, I think, you know, we need to seek out other help. So the the Rollins family has relatives in St. Louis. They go to St. Louis. While they're in St. Louis, they meet Father William S. Bowdern. Bowdern is the template for... Uh, Father Lancaster Marin, Max von Sydow's character in The Exorcist. Um, Father Bowdern witnesses the bed shaking. He says he witnesses flying objects. He hears Roland speaking in a guttural voice. And also Roland cannot stand to have sacred objects in his presence. Based on this evidence, because you only need so many of um, the signs you know, strength, or secret knowledge, or speaking in different languages that you don't know. You only need so many for the church to approve the exorcism. Um, So based on what Bowdern reports, the archbishop grants Bowdern permission to perform the exorcism. Uh, And so they take them, they they don't do it at home. (laughs) They don't do it at home. because they they feel I've heard and read that it was like it's too too much of an uncontrolled setting and not only that they don't want interruptions if a neighbor hears some of the things going on they they I believe they'd had already had some issues where neighbors were like calling police and things when Roland was you know experiencing these fits and stuff um so they decide let's take him to a catholic hospital they go to the alexian brothers hospital uh in saint louis it's no longer called that i forget what the name uh that it's called by now but i'm not going to say it anyway because i don't want people like going to that <laughs> hospital thinking they're going to summon a demon or some stupid <laughs> shit um like they do in all these uh asylums anytime oh, there's yeah. an abandoned asylum anymore it's a bunch of dipshit teenagers break in and try and summon demons yep uh So at the hospital, uh, there were it was uh populated with nuns, the nuns were like the caretakers there. Um, he gets two other priests to help him, uh, Walter Halloran and William Van Rue, uh, assisted Father Bowdern. Um, now Halloran, uh, was the only one that talked about it, but he was he kind of was wishy washy, he would sometimes tell some things. And then other times he would kind of deny some things. It's like he couldn't decide if he really wanted this to be out or not. Hmm. And I think at some point they did find, I think people got a hold of like a diary that he kept on it. Now that's like public knowledge, like stuff that he wrote about the exorcism in his diary. But he's been on record stating that he himself observed words and marks appearing on Roland's body and witnessed the mattress shaking. Um, Halloran, unfortunately, during the exorcism also had his nose broken by the afflicted boy. The afflicted boy was fighting, got loose, broke Halloran's nose. Ouch. So some people who were interviewed years later that had known Roland uh, when he was younger, uh, before this all happened, um, they they didn't have great things to say about Roland. This is kind of in the refutation section of things um they say he was a bully uh which is probably why he was alone so much uh who used to pretend and play tricks to get out of going to school and he used to terrorize the neighborhood
1: it was a demon
0: so yeah there there are people who knew him back in the day who posit that they think this was probably a prank that he took too far hmm. and had a hard time getting out of it and it finally got to the point where you know He had to claim that, you know. (laughs) However, when you look at how many exorcisms, because it was more than just one or two, when you look at how many exorcisms happened and all that, it's a lot to go through just to get out of going to school.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? True.
0: So that's that's the, the kind of, that's the foundational tale that sort of began all this stuff. Because until the exorcist came out, People really didn't have like a concept of, you know, what was supposed to happen or what, mm-hmm. you know, what the exorcism actually was or looked like, and um, because William Friedkin and William Peter Blatty, uh, kind of really did a a vivid telling, you know, with special effects with embellishment. But they did a real vivid telling of, of the structure and what it what it looks like and what, you know, what happens. And people were shocked by it. Yeah. You know?
1: Totes.
0: I hear that demon again. That pug-faced <laughs> demon. So, what do you got for us on the Reddit front, honey? What kind of tales to excite the imagination did you find?
1: Well, first, do you want me to talk about The Demon House?
0: Yeah, go ahead and talk about the demon house Because this is one of the most recent uh, Events in the world Of supposed demonic possession
1: Yes So The demon house Is A house In Gary, Indiana Where a supposed Demonic infestation Slash possible possession May have occurred Um, The house was Purchased by Zach Bagans of Ghost Adventures. And he did like a whole documentary about it called Demon House, and then he eventually tore it down. So.
0: There are things in this world we will never understand. Understand. understand.
1: <laughs> so check that out if you want to. Some interesting stuff on there. Don't know that it's a demon. But anywho. So, this involves um, LaToya Ammons and her family, Gary and So, this is from an article in the Indy Star from 2019. Um, Alright, so Ammons claimed she and her three young children had been possessed by spirits inside the rental home from 2011 to 2012. The Gary Police Department and the Indiana Department of Child Services investigated, a priest performed exorcisms, and even some of the biggest skeptics were made into believers. Um, So Ammons claims she and her three children were possessed by demons inside the house when they began renting it in November 2011. Immediately after they arrived, Ammons told the Indy Star that, despite cold December temperatures, large black flies swarmed their screened-in porch. And they kept coming back, even when the family killed them and killed them, Ammons' mother, Rosa Campbell, told Indy Star reporter Marissa Kwiatkowski. From there, things got really strange. Campbell and Ammons heard footsteps on the basement stairs late at night, the basement and kitchen doors creaked open unassisted, and then they claimed the demons got to the three children. They told Indy Star that the kids' eyes bulged, their voices deepened, and they sported evil smiles while possessed the 9-year-old boy described what it felt like to be killed and walked up the wall in the presence of a family case manager and hospital nurse
0: yeah that was in the hospital
1: yeah like people saw this so i mean like that that's kind of creepy and weird like that's not normal
0: yeah and didn't he go he went backwards right
1: well, on the show we watched on the Discovery Channel, he did, but I don't know. If that's really how it happened in real life. Yeah, that's how it was portrayed.
0: But yeah, they. So, and, but they were very clear. Like the the social services worker was very clear that it wasn't like he like yeah, ran he went, up. Yeah, he, he didn't like run up the wall up and flip. Yeah, that he literally went vertical up the wall and in an unexplainable manner.
1: Yes. Uh, The seven-year-old clenched his hands around his older brother's throat and wouldn't let go until an adult pried him off. The 12-year-old girl floated above the bed while unconscious, the family said. The police investigated and the Indiana Department of Child Services intervened, and the DCS found Ammons guilty of neglect for not sending her children to school regularly. They told Ammons to find a job and appropriate housing and cared for her three children while she did. She regained custody of her children six months later, and the family moved into a new home with no reports of demons. The case was closed in February 2013. Um, so when describing what demonic possession felt like, Ammons told Indy Star that she felt weak, lightheaded, and warm while possessed. Her body shook. The 12-year-old girl told mental health professionals that she was paralyzed and felt like she was being choked. Uh, you can tell it's something different, something supernatural. Um, so then... Uh, let's see here. And then it talks about um, what happened during the exorcism. So a priest told indy Starr that the exorcisms the Reverend Michael magnote performed on Ammons and her family were the first authorized by the Bishop of the Catholic Church's Diocese of Gary in his twenty one years of service. That's interesting. Um, before the major exorcism, magnote performed on Ammons, he prayed over her and made appeals to cast out demons. He named the demons tormenting Ammons during the ritual after she looked their identities up online. See? Sometimes you meet your demons online. (laughs) There's a movie there. Uh, uh, So, she looked their identities up online while the computer kept shutting down because he claimed names had power. Okay. Then, with the Catholic Church's backing, he cast out the demons while holding a crucifix against Ammons' forehead. She convulsed violently and told Indystar the pain was as intense as giving birth. Maginot performed three major exorcisms on Ammons, two in English, and the last one in Latin in June 2012. Lucille, settle down. It's a demon.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Always during the podcast does she act like this.
1: So then I found another article. This is on BBC News. Um about the police captain. So this article is from BBC News. Police captain confirms children possessed by demons. Um, so Latoya Ammons from Indiana said her three children walked up walls, levitated, and spoke in voices. Official reports filed in 2012 backed up her claims, with psychologists stating that they saw the 9-year-old child speak in, quote, different deep voices and walk up the wall backwards. It was backwards. He flipped over and landed on his feet, they added. Uh, Gary police captain Charles Austin, who has more than 35 years of experience, said he had been convinced by the story. According to local newspaper, the Indianapolis Star, he described himself as a believer after visiting the house and interviewing Ms. Ammons and her family. Official Indiana state documents detail more events apparently witnessed by medical experts and those outside the family. The children's names were removed from the papers to protect their identities. Medical staff reported they observed the children and heard the seven-year-old making growling noises and his eyes rolled into the back of his head. They observed, name blank, lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. The report also detailed the time when the seven-year-old walked up the wall in front of a number of medical professionals name blank, began to have a weird smile on his face, and he charged at the grandmother's stomach and headbutted her several times until she grabbed his hands and started praying. He was speaking in a different deep voice, saying, It's time to die. I will kill you. And staring around the room. (laughs) He had the weird grin on his face and began to walk backwards while the grandmother was holding his hand, and he walked up the wall backwards while holding the grandmother's hand, and he never let go. He flipped over and landed on his feet in front of the grandmother and sat down in the chair. Okay, that's different. He was holding the grandmother's hands and walked up the wall backwards. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, that is a little...
1: That's different from he just walked up the wall backwards. That's a little backwards. sketchy. He had some leverage. Yeah. Uh, at other times, Miss Ammon said she saw her dev- daughter levitate out of her bed, while the 12-year-old also reported being thrown across the room and grabbed by dark shadows. Elsewhere in the reports, it shows that an un- unnamed witness had suggested the mother may have mental health concerns. They also said it may be that the children are performing for their mother and that she's encouraging the behavior. The priest, Reverend Mike Maginot, said, whenever you would praise God in Latin, no reaction. But you start condemning the demon, condemning the evil spirit, all of a sudden she is reacting to that. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. So some weird stuff happened. Is it a demon?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I mean it's one of those things where the, the case of the demon house, um, it's interesting but it makes me wonder about um sort of like uh I don't know what the, the actual medical term would like almost like confirmation bias, I guess mm-hmm. would be a, a, a relative term. Um it's like if you go into something believing that it either can happen or is happening, sometimes you are only looking at the evidence that fits what you think it is. Right. um, Rather than looking at all the evidence purely for what it is. Um, I think that's one of the the things that um, so many of the ghost hunting shows and so many of the... Anybody that that has anything to do with with paranormal investigation or uh, history recording these events and everything, yeah, you, you have to be really careful that you're not just confirming something that you already believe to be true. Um, you have to you have to really stay objective. Um, and so I kind of wonder about that.
1: Yeah. Definitely. So, um, did a little poking around on Reddit. Yeah. Here's a weird one. A demon is sucking energy from my spine while I sleep. No joke.
0: (laughs) No, No guff chat.
1: WTF is going on. I've had this problem for a while, and may have even posted about it before, but recently it happened again, and I need to find a way to stop it. Just so you know, I've had depression for many years now. Now, what I'm having is often described as sleep paralysis, but it is much more than that. There is a creature that looks like a dementor slash demon. It is somewhat amorphous. The thing originally used to just scare me in my sleep during sleep paralysis, but now it is doing something much more sinister. It seems to try and hide from me now, like it doesn't want to be seen like it used to, it always attempts to suck energy from the back of my neck, parentheses, my spine. It doesn't use its mouth, by the way. It extends its hands, sort of like how people perform Reiki. I can feel an electric sucking vibration running through my spine for a few seconds, and then I wake up. When I wake up, I feel drained and very tired. The only way I can stop it is if I sleep on my back so it can't have access to my spine. It still shows up and attempts to suck energy from another part of my body... but not much happens. (laughs) I can never sleep on my stomach because it almost guarantees it will show up. If I sleep on my side, I push a bunch of blankets behind my neck. That kind of works, but sometimes it gets around it. It can go through objects, but apparently can't see see through them. Mm -hmm. So like if I sleep on my back, even though it could go through my bed and try and get me, it can't because it doesn't know the exact location of my spine. At least this is how I interpret it. I know a lot about this demon because it comes like once a week, sometimes more, and it's been happening for a couple of years on on and off. I tried saying some prayers and it went away for a little longer, but then it came back again. So that's weird.
0: My spine. <laughs> My spine. <laughs> I yeah. mean. Yeah, it's a, that's the, the first time I've heard. It's like, um, I mean, it's like they're describing a vampire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like vampire activity. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's a that's an odd one.
1: So here's one. I think the poster uh, is from the Philippines, or uh, says she's, they're from Southeast Asia, but with Chinese heritage. Um, but said some of the stories here are from the the Philippines. Um, but they have one story here. My father gets possessed. This all happened before I was born. Back when my dad used to be a trucker, he would leave us for a few days a week to make deliveries to our clients who lived in the mountains of our province. One day, my mother woke up to rude, loud knocks on our door. Through the peephole, she saw that it was my father, back home two days early and drenched in sweat. My mom opened the door and greeted him, asking why he was home so early, but my dad just went past her straight to his room. My mom, thinking he was just tired, left him alone. However, my dad was asleep for more than 24 hours. The whole time he would mumble unintelligibly and sometimes would shout, No, don't take me! I don't want to go with you! My mom, scared out of her wits, called the local Sorjano, or witch doctor, to take a look at my dad. He would not wake up at all, but would keep mumbling. The whole time he was drenched in sweat and the room was starting to smell awful. The Sorjano tied each of my dad's arms and legs to a bedpost and restarted his ritual. He recited Catholic prayers while whipping my dad with a buntat pagi. Or dried stingray's tail. I don't know if my you, Filipino is any good. <laughs>
0: you could have just said dried stingray's tail.
1: <laughs> Puggy. Yeah, dried stingray's Jeez. tail. Whipping him with it. I don't think that's in the Catholic rite of exorcism.
0: No, you don't whip him with dried stingray tails. But it
1: might help. I don't know. My dad woke up screaming in tongues. His face was contorted as if he was burning and in extreme pain. His body then suddenly went erect and he collapsed. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Cheese, honey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Soriano then you wrapped. You can't get up by that ritual. word without laughing. You said wrecked. <laughs> the Sorrano then wrapped up his ritual and told my mother that the demon had been cast out. My dad slept peacefully for another day. When he woke up, he was surprised to find himself at home. My mom asked him if he had any recollection of what happened to him, and he said the last thing he remembered was driving his truck up in the mountains. My mom never told him what happened, not even in not even in my dad's dying days. Here's a good one. Why the hell would demons possess goofy ass dolls?
0: <laughs> Wait, is this written by Redditor Jenny Hayden? <laughs>
1: no. Sixty
0: nine.
1: This is Game Boy thirteen thirty
0: seven. I
1: like the way you think. I was just about to watch a video about this Robert doll, and for some reason everyone's like, "Oh, I'm sorry for seeing you, Robert." Yada yada. I'm not taking any chances So I told him I don't mean no disrespect And that we cool However the question came up in my mind Why in the actual fuck would demons possess a dumbass doll Like seriously Why don't they just possess cars or something Driving a demon car would be sick (laughs) Right I would be like Ghost Rider I would definitely die Like seriously There's
0: already a movie about that (laughs) Christine
1: Right and it's cool There's so much menacing shit on our planet, so why are they choosing freaking dolls? (laughs) I don't know what this next part means, but I mean, these MFs could manifest into video games and call themselves underwater mayonnaise shelf in Chinese, and I'd probably be shaking in my boots if I saw them on (laughs) shipment 24-7. But nah, instead they apparently possess some goofy-looking dolls, which are on the same level of scary as Nikocado Avocado. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously not buying the demons would possess dolls. I agree.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm infamously on record uh on the Wellhouse exorcism As saying that I don't believe in the Robert the Doll phenomenon because <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> don't. Yeah, everybody says that you've cur- I've cursed don't. myself. Um but no, I I don't believe it at all because um I, I do also agree with that person um why would you possess a doll like the people who work at that museum have claimed that oh they uh robert was out of the case or they've seen they've come in and the case is empty and then they come in and you know and then he's there and all this kind of and, or little little footprints or something around the place and first of all i think that it's much more uh Plausible that it's all hype for this museum
1: mm-hmm.
0: because it's this little museum in like Key West. They want people to come, and ever since they like got a hold of this haunted doll, ever since they found out about the history of the doll, the the doll literally just came with the stuff from that local artist's house. Mm-hmm. His wife just donated all his shit to the museum. So they're going through it, and here's this creepy-looking doll. And he he does look creepy, you know. It's an odd-looking doll. You know, they hear about the story about this guy and his weird relationship with the doll. That the doll was, you know, would be in his painting room with him. And that he talked to it. Mm
1: -hmm. And all this kind
0: of stuff. So they hear this tale, this legend that's already there. And so... They could have easily just either put it into storage, thrown it out, or whatever. They put it on display. And all of a sudden, there's all these rules, which just seem to come out of nowhere. There's all these rules about Robert, you know. And one of the big things is, you're not supposed to take pictures of it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because they want you to come to the museum (laughs) and see the doll.
1: Right.
0: You know? And I when we were talking about this on The Wellhouse Exorcism, I'm like, I find it hard to believe that you're not allowed to take pictures of it because he doesn't like that, but somehow it was okay when the museum put him on mugs and keychains. <laughs> he was all right with that. Yeah. You know? No. This, it's hype. It's hype to get people to come to their museum and pay money for a ticket or a donation or whatever and see this doll. It's just a doll. And anybody, and it's, again, it's like a, a type of confirmation bias. People come, they get creeped out, they hear the story, they get creeped out by the doll, they do something, and then they go home and some bad luck happens. They automatically attribute it to, I did that disrespectful thing. Like, why would a demonically possessed doll that could get out of the case and move about, why would it ever get back into the case at the end of the night?
1: Excellent question. Why wouldn't
0: it just walk out the door and leave forever, yep. and be a possessed animated doll, a la Chucky? It'd
1: be pretty cool,
0: you know. So that's I don't buy into that. That I totally agree with that guy. Yep. Um, do you want to hear a couple stories of exorcisms gone horribly wrong?
1: I mean, yes, absolutely.
0: So we will cover these uh, briefly because um, at least one of these uh, I would like to cover in another episode. Um, The first being that of uh, the the case of Annalise Michelle. Now this famously, again, Hollywood wants to turn all of these into movies. So this is the story that inspired The Exorcism of Emily Rose that came out in, who knows when, early 2000s. Um, but this is about uh, Annalise Michelle, uh, uh, given name Anna Elizabeth Michelle. Uh, she was a German woman who underwent 67 Catholic exorcisms.
1: Damn! Catholic
0: exorcism rites, all in the last year before her death. Oh my goodness. Uh, she died of malnutrition she literally if you go on google you can google pictures of annalise michelle um you can google pictures of her that were taken prior to her death uh, as people were documenting her supposed possession and she became you know skeletal she looked like somebody from Uh, a picture of one of the Nazi camps, Hmm. you know, from World War II. Um, Really, really, really horrible uh, way to die. What year was this? Um, This was in 1976. Uh, Her parents and her priest, a a man by the name of Arnold Rents, uh well, the the priest who performed the exorcism, it wasn't the family priest, but it was the priest that performed the exorcism, they were all convicted in a court of negligent homicide.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, she she had actually been diagnosed by doctors uh, years prior uh, with temporal lobe epilepsy and or possibly grand mal epilepsy. Uh, she had had years of ineffective psychiatric treatment
1: she could have had that autoimmune disorder
0: well and and she was actually given uh, it was a, a form of uh, thorazine that was used in uh, europe hmm. a different different uh, brand name uh, but it was contraindicated thorazine is contraindicated for people suffering from epilepsy Um, So whoever prescribed her the Thorazine apparently didn't know or understand that um, or possibly hadn't been told that she had been diagnosed with epilepsy
1: um,
0: because, of course, the family didn't believe it was epilepsy. Mm -hmm. Uh, She died on July 1st, 1976, weighing only 66 pounds at the time of her death with both her knees having been broken. From continued and it was self-inflicted it was con- from continuous genuflections she she had come to the belief that she was a bad person, which they talked about um with the the thorazine and the epilepsy and everything that um, untreated epilepsy can have a degenerative effect right and it can cause personality changes it can lead a person um, uh, it 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 it's very common be- because and, and to kind of connect this there is a long history in religion of people having epileptic symptoms and then also being considered Uh, ecstatic... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Ecstatic mystics. Mm -hmm. And so Annalise Michelle was suffering from the same symptoms that an ecstatic mystic of an earlier time period having undiagnosed epilepsy would experience. And it's this heightened religiosity feeling a closeness to god feeling presences all these types of things so when your temporal te-
1: the opposite of possession.
0: well when your temporal lobe gets messed with mm-hmm. um you begin to have these as we spoke about in the beginning of the episode hallucinatory effects feelings of presence all these things so what initially for her may have been feelings of a divine presence at some point, turn into a feeling of demonic presence. And she even changed her friend group. She started hanging out with religious people at school, like a religious group, and all this kind of stuff. And so at some point during the time period when she began to be convinced that she was possessed, she began to do these constant... Like, she would genuflect for hours at a time, thinking that it it was like a form of... um,
1: uh flagellation
0: yeah yeah it was a form of flagellation mm-hmm. she would continually genuflect uh thinking that that was a form of of penance that mm-hmm. she could do to make god happy with her again and so she literally in the course of it destroyed both her knees Eesh. um also she had pneumonia at the <laughs> time uh of death so yeah, that was one where it went, like, way wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, now, there was another one. Now, this is, we t- you mentioned uh, other cultures. Mm-hmm. So, this is October 2007. This has to do with a mekutu lifting that took place in Wellington, New Zealand. Um, a mekutu lifting is a Maori ritual, So there was a woman by the name of Janet Moses uh, who lived in Wellington, New Zealand. I believe she was originally from Christchurch. Her mother's family still very much believed in the old ways. And one of Janet's family members stole a concrete lion from a local hotel and brought it home. And they believed in in their... within their family and within the Maori culture that something like that like a negative act like that can have an effect on uh, unintended effects on people and so Janet after this lion is stolen and brought home Janet begins exhibiting strange behavior specifically the family describes that she started having behaviors that uh, where she was acting like a lion She was growling at people. She was stalking the house. She would stare at people in like a predatory way, the way you might expect a lion to stare at a gazelle or something. Um, And so the family consulted one of the elders. The elder advised them to return the lion. Take the lion back to the hotel. They did, but her behavior didn't stop. Uh, The elder said a prayer, gave a blessing, and then he advised the family to perform a healing. Now, it's been said, there's actually a a documentary about this case. I, I totally am blanking on the name of the documentary, but it was a good documentary. So you can look it up. You probably just look up Janet Moses' exorcism. You'll find the name of the documentary. So at some point, the maternal family came to believe that Janet was either possessed or cursed, and that this healing that they had been advised to perform uh, should take the form of a mekutu lifting. No one present, no one in her mother's family had any knowledge or experience performing a mekutu lifting. They decided to wing it.
1: Right.
0: So the ritual, as they understood it, required large amounts of water to be consumed by the possessed, oh, geez. in order to either cleanse them or to cause suffering enough suffering to make the spirit wish wish to leave. They believed that water had this cleansing power; that all water was like holy. Um. So much water was used that the floor became flooded and they had to cut a hole in the floor to create drainage. All the rugs were soaked with water. People were splashing around when they walked. Janet also suffered injuries to her eyes as family members picked at the demons that they saw in them. So she actually had eye injuries because they... They claimed they would see a demon in her eye, like the way she was looking demonic, so they would nice. try to pluck the demon out, and so like she had like scratched Jeez. corneas oh and stuff mm-hmm. finally, on October twelfth two thousand and seven Janet Moses died by drowning at approximately eight a m so they poured so much water down her throat that she, and she had become so weakened that she couldn 't force. The water out and so it ended up when it couldn't fill her stomach anymore it began filling her lungs and so she drowned um, her father had heard about what was going on that she was he initially just heard about the strange things happening and that she was acting weird so he drove all night from Christchurch to go and like support his daughter to help her he did not find out that she was dead until 4 30 p.m that late afternoon so she had died at 8 a.m her father is not told that she's dead until 4 30 p.m police were called after her father discovers her death which was nine hours later There was a manslaughter trial that ensued. One uncle and four aunts were convicted of manslaughter. However, uh, the judge decided uh, on leniency because the family was devastated, everyone was devastated, um, and there was so much sorrow that the judge sentenced the people involved to the equivalent of community service and the paternal family were okay with those sentences because the grandfather specifically her her uh father's father uh had said that um you know they did something without knowing what they were doing they made a mistake and they're going to pay for it for the rest of their lives you know knowing what they did right so it was after this uh they didn't outlaw Mekutu liftings because Mekutu liftings and all these other Maori uh, traditions and rituals had been outlawed by the New Zealand government like decades before. It was like one of these bad, like kind of uh, like racist, you know, oppressions mm-hmm. on the Maori back in the day, you know, suppressing their culture. And so the government was very careful to not be like, hey, you can't do any more Mekutu liftings because they also identified the fact that these people didn't actually do a real mekutu lifting they they they, they didn't know what they were doing they did right. it they did it completely wrong and so they didn't outlaw the liftings but they now have very strong recommendations that you are not to do anything like this unless you've actually consulted experts people within the Maori culture and religion who know what a mekutu lifting is and how to do it so basically sending the message like hey we were lenient this time but you need to know what you're doing if you, if this were to happen again we probably won't be so lenient because now you know right so yeah so that was that was their form of an attempted at exorcism was pouring gallons and gallons and gallons of water down her throat to wow. try to force this invading spirit out. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's horrible.
0: It is. It is really <laughs> horrible.
1: <laughs> jeez. All right, so this one is from Mr. Beaver3601. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Toddler Possessed, True Experience. I'm going to get straight to the point and keep it short. Don't want this to be boring and long.
0: <laughs> Too late. That's what he said.
1: In 2012, we went to Pakistan on holiday, and my cousin was one year old at the time. So my one-year-old cousin was sitting and playing under a tree in the backyard with others when he started acting weird. He wasn't acting normal and kept screaming and behaving weird. So at night, I was awoken up by my aunt's mother-in-law as she wakes up at night and prays. My aunt, cousin's mom, and her mother-in-law and me saw my one-year-old cousin crawling away and saw him just crawling outside towards the tree he was playing under. My aunt started crying, but her mother-in-law said to her, don't go after him. Then I realized why she said not to go after him. My one-year-old cousin was still asleep in the same room, and whatever that was crawling away and going back to the tree, looking like my cousin, was the thing that temporarily possessed him and was returning back to the tree. The next morning he was completely normal, and it never happened again. I saw that thing crawling away with my own eyes and wouldn't have known it wasn't my cousin. You can believe this story or not, but three people saw it, Happen, including me. (laughs) So there. (laughs) And then uh, one of the comments is from someone who says, My mom is from the Philippines, and she would always make us say a phrase when we passed by or under large trees. Something that translates to, please allow us to pass safely. She always said big old trees can hold spirits, good or bad, and she claims to have seen both. I believe that you saw what you saw, and it's very real.
0: So that's oh, interesting. Possessed yeah,
1: like, by a tree spirit.
0: Yeah, like chthonic entities.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, to to put a button on it, honey, um, what uh, you know, I, I think we've established you don't believe in this stuff.
1: I find it very hard to believe that this is how you know immortal beings would choose to spend their time. I could be wrong. I mean, I think if anything, it is probably more, you know, spirits or, you know, angry spirits, I don't know, or energies, that uh, negative energies that people might manifest or that might attach to them. I don't know. But the whole idea of like demons and Satan and God and like the whole exorcism thing, it's just a lot for me to, to buy.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the issue that I have, you know, when Brad when Brad asked me about it, it it's it's really the cosmogony of these demons with and they have names and mm-hmm. you know certain roles and all this kind of stuff and the idea that, you know, yes, the it's like an immortal entity um, sent by, you know, Satan, the great adversary, to do something, cause some sort of strife in right. these people's lives, and all this kind of stuff, that there's there's, a, there's some heightened level to it because of, like, this kind of historicity that they attach to it. My kind of conception of it is, and, you know, and I know PJ and Shannon went through, uh, you know, I believe them when they say that they had, you know, these experiences mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and they had priests come in and do perform this exorcism,
1: and things got better. And
0: things got better, you know. Nothing. I
1: mean, I could be wrong.
0: Nothing happened after but that.
1: But even so, like, if that was a demon, like it was just late. like leave them alone. Like, why?
0: Well, what, but what is the point? So, so my thing is, I I tend to believe that we've attached all this cosmogony to it because if you think about the the way it's structured when they they're asking these demons questions and getting names and all this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of that is kind of passed down from Dante's Inferno mm-hmm. or John Milton's Paradise Lost, which are like 14th and 17th century, you know, things. Um, or there's like a thing called the lesser key of Solomon, which was like back when magicians like Faust style believed that you could like, trap a demon, summon a demon and trap it inside a magical circle and then interrogate said demon for information. Oh, I I summoned this demon and it told me its name was this and that it had this many legions in hell that it commanded and all this kind of stuff. It's fiction. It's all fiction. Right. I think that it it's more possible, more plausible that these are spirits from long, long, a long, long time ago, people, or otherwise, maybe even animals. People say they see the ghosts of their dogs and cats and stuff, but they're spirits that died so long ago, so far in the distant past that over certain, if we believe they're conscious spirits, if we believe they're conscious thinking entities, it's I believe it's more plausible that they would over time forget they were ever a living creature on this planet and then could that possibly possess a person and make them do crazy shit possibly
1: makes for some good movies though
0: yes it does like 1973's the exorcist that you can hear brad and i talk about on nosferat dudes how do you feel about the episode honey you think we did good
1: i feel great
0: Oh my god! I've gotta have you on my team. Cool. <laughs> I'm so scary. Oh, you are! You're so scary. I when my t- chair turned around, I was really scared. I did that. Oh my god! I, mo- I
1: moved your chair.
0: Wow. I'm so scary. The power of Christ <laughs> compels you, bro. <bruh. laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so from from me, Kyle Thatcher,
1: and me, Jenny Thatcher.
0: We will see you
1: on the other side. On
0: the other side.
1: Bye.